Hi, and welcome to the Arana Hills Church of Christ podcast. We hope this message brings you closer to knowing God, finding freedom in Him, and understanding what He has in store for you and your community. To learn more about Arana Hills Church of Christ, head to aranahills.church. We hope you enjoy this message. I said to a couple of people this morning, you know, we used to have a saying in the UK that you only rained twice last week, once for three days and once for four. <laughs> but um, hey, it's okay in here. It's good to be here. I want to talk today about one word, interruptions. Interruptions. They happen all the time, and, and usually when we don't want them, that's the kind of usually what happens, hence the term. But I, you know, when I did Bible college the first time around, I've gone through Bible college twice, first time around it was kind of they taught you a sort of three-point sermon thing. But most people, having had three points, you go away and you can't remember, you can't remember the three points. You know, you might have grilled pasta for lunch, this kind, you know, when you kind of talk about the service and that was good, I didn't like this and all of that. And, and so more latterly, I just like to try and give people one word or one concept or one thing that, that you can go away with and remember. So if your neighbour or, or some random person finds out that you go to church and you went to church and they said, oh, what do they talk about in church? You can say, oh, they talked about interruptions. Oh, really? Oh, what did they say about that then? And then you can tell them. They say, oh, what were the three points in, in church last Sunday? And you think, what was the topic, you know? because we are overloaded information. Now, I don't know how people work these things out, but I'm told that, that at the time of Jesus, it took about 1,500 years for the amount of information that was available when Jesus walked the earth, for that information to be doubled, about 1,500 years. That got to doubling about every 100 years. That sat for quite a while. About every 100 years, the information we had would double. Then in 1945, they worked out that it, would, it took about 13 months for that information to double. And then a guy in uh, 1982 predicted that by 2022, it would take 12 hours. So every 12 hours, information we have available doubles. And we wonder why we might be overwhelmed. And that's the reality of the world that we live in, and that it's still going it's still moving it's still escalating and there's a good thing to what we can get hold of information we can get hold of you know you can check out what i've been saying and that's the danger so at the end of a sermon people are on their phones hey, you told me this but i found out that it says this and um well that's hardly surprising because information keeps changing you see so you know what was what was right yesterday is different today so with that in mind that background in mind let's think about interruptions because with the amount of information we have and how we're bombarded with so many things and from so many different angles. If I take in Compassion where I work, when, when I started with Compassion, it was pretty much most of our information flow was via email. That was the majority of our information flow. And this is only five years ago. And I would ring pastors, I would text them, and, and, and we, we had a form of Zoom before Zoom was a thing. We had, we had that. that, that was there as well. But the main flow of information would be email. And now, now we have Teams. We have another platform. So now I get things from email. I get it from Teams. And there's different aspects of Teams where that comes from. And it's another thing to check. And there's some people, they prefer to use WhatsApp. So I have to check that as well. And Messenger and SMS. Do you know what I mean? And that's just information. When I started in ministry, it was phone calls and letters. 
and then email started. And now we're just bombarded. And so all of these things can be an interruption to the things that we have planned, which is why I think this topic is really, really important. So let's, um, let's jump into God's Word. We're going to go look at Mark chapter 5 and um, just to unpack a bit of this passage. And it's, a, it's a whole passage of interruptions. Just to set the scene before this happened, Jesus has been across the lake and even the lives of pigs have been interrupted. And it just goes on. So let's have a look. I'm reading from the, the Passion Translation because I just love the way that it puts um, passion into it, I suppose. Um, yeah, let's go. After Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. So there's the first interruption. I don't know what his business as usual was going to be from coming back over the lake. Maybe they're going to go for breakfast. Maybe they were, they were he was going to have some time with his disciples. I don't know what the plan was, but when he got there, there's a huge crowd. There's interruption number one. Just then, interruption two happens. A man saw that it was Jesus. So he pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, please come with me, my little daughter is at the point of death and she's only 12 years old. Come lay your hands on her and heal her and she will live. Just hold on that slide for a moment. So interruption, big crowd. Interruption, Jairus, synagogue ruler, falling at Jesus' feet. Interruptions. I was... Um, I go to servos a lot because I, tr I travel a lot. So I'm, I'm often ha in time in filling up the fuel and we're up to Cairns or back or wherever else I'm going. And one trip I was going north and I stopped, I stopped for fuel. And so I walk into the, into the servo and there's a queue of about six or seven people in front of me. The guy s serving is absolutely overwhelmed. Like he's absolutely swamped everything about his demeanor saying is saying, I'm not coping here. Now, I used to work at a servo, so one of my early jobs was working at, at, at a servo. In those days, you had to go out to the car, fill the car with fuel, some of you remember that. And, um, and, and, and we sold pretty much fuel, oil, few, a few bits and pieces, essentials for your car, and some chocolates. That was it. Now, to work at a servo, you have to be a barista. You have to be a cook. You have to do pies and hot foods and all of that. Do you know it, it's just more and more and more things that you, you have to do. And this guy was not coping. So finally I get to the desk, and I'm not in a rush, and I, I get to the desk, and I look at him, and I'm saying, having a good day? <laughs> and he, he just looked at me and said, you would not believe today. I said, I am so sorry you are having a, you're having a bad day. And I was just about to give my pump number, and this lady jumps the queue, comes up beside me, and says um, to, the, to the guy behind the desk, oh, can you help me? I can't get my petrol flap open. And, and his, his eyes said it all, you know, like, like, no, uh, I can't, and, 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 but I don't know what to do. And, and, and I, I looked at him and I said, I used to be a mechanic, would you like me to help her so you can, and I'll, I'll join the back of the queue. He said, oh, thank you so much. So I go out there, we get the, get the petrol flap sorted out, I, I come back in, the crowd is gone, and there's just me and him. And as I get to the desk, he falls on his knees and says, can you help me find Jesus? No, he doesn't. <laughs> It's what we want to happen, though, isn't it, you know? <laughs> isn't it what we want to happen? 
you know, we, we, we want someone to, to see God in us, that we help someone out, and they can't help but, oh, tell me about your Savior, tell me about Jesus. But that's never happened to me. Maybe in a dream once, I don't know, but that's never happened to me. Maybe it has to, to one of you. It certainly happened to Jesus because here's Jairus on his knees and on his face in front of Jesus. All I know is I interrupted this guy's bad day. Because I helped him. And, and I don't know, we, I, I, I said to him, oh, you just faint today, what's going on? And he said, he said, we usually have another guy, we usually have usually two of us, and, and the cook phoned him sick first thing this morning, we couldn't get anybody else. And that's why he was having a bad day. But for someone just to, to say, I'm really sorry, and I noticed you were having a bad day, and doing something small to help, I think would have meant something to him. And all I know, all, all I, I like to think is, I don't know this, what I like to think is, when he got, got home to his partner, his wife, or that day, and, and she said to him, how was your day, love? <laughs> and he said, oh, I had the worst day. Cook phoned in sick, I was on my own, couldn't get anybody else. It was just one after another. It was relentless. It was just, just awful. But you know, there was this one guy who came in, because this lady came in and, and she was, it was just one thing too many. You know, it was a straw that broke the camel's back thing. And, and he went and, and, and um, joined the back of the queue and he got her petrol stop open and I really appreciated that. I just kind of like to think he might have said that. Because interruptions are our stories. Now, if you're a parent, you say to your kids, what did you do at school today? Nothing. <laughs> you've, you've all been there. What they mean is, it's all been business as usual. Nothing out of the ordinary has happened. Now, had they had a fire and all the sprinklers had gone off, you'd have heard about that. You'd have heard about the interruption, but you don't hear about the business as usual because... When we're in conversation with people, most times the things we share are not the BAUs, they're the interruptions. Yet often they're the things we avoid, or we want to avoid, particularly if you're a planner. Now if you're a planner, you won't like interruptions because it's, oh, I can't, get my, can't tick my list off, you know. If you're a procrastinator, oh, send them to me, you know. So I want to make a distinction here between interruptions and, oh, yeah, the words went out of my mind, interruptions and distractions, thank you. They're different. Distractions. I did a whole sermon on, on procrastination here once. It was called Wailing the Cat. Anyway, there's a, some of you remember that. See, you remember the story. Interruptions. They're here with us and they will happen this week. The question is, what will you do with them? What will be your attitude with them? And how can God use them? So I love in this passage where, where, where Jesus is confronted with a crowd and then Jairus, and he embraces both. He embraces the interruptions. The plan goes out the window. Because I don't know with, with Jesus, in, a, in my small group, we're talking about this this week, you know, did Jesus wake up this morning and think, oh, what's today, Sunday? Oh, yes, Mark chapter 5 today. I don't think it worked like that. I don't think it was 
chapter 5 says, this is the time, oh yeah, Jairus is going to come and fall at, fall at my feet when I get across the lake, and then, then this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. I, I don't know, fully God, fully human, I don't know how that was worked out, but I don't think it was like the script, reading the script. And we can sometimes think it was for Jesus. And I think we have to learn how do we embrace the things that are going to happen this week that God is going to be in if we let him. Are we ready for those? And it might seem a really small thing. It might seem a really big thing. It actually doesn't matter. It's actually are we listening? Are we ready? So let's, let's read on some more. Immediately. I love that. Immediately Jesus went with him and the huge crowd followed. Oh, let's go as well, you know. Pressing in on him from all sides. Now in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. Think about her life. She had endured a great deal under the care. <laughs> I'm not sure about that word care in there. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors. Yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was getting worse instead of better. When she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up behind him and touched his prayer shawl. Interruption number three. For she kept saying to herself, if I could touch even his clothes, I know I would be healed. Think about that for a moment. How does she know that? Like who told her that if you touch Jesus' clothes, you'll be healed? There's no record in the Bible of that happening before. This first one. And yet after this, it escalates to, you know, aprons and handkerchiefs taken to Paul, and then he'd pray for those, and they'd go and touch on the sick person, and they'd get better. It happened to my wife. That's the thing. Did you know that? So, and then you get Peter's shadow passing over people, and they're healed. And now let's take another step on. But it started with this lady had this thought that if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it, for she could feel in her body instantly being healed of her disease. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. I love that. I'm going to read that again. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd, saying, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, What do you mean? Who touched you? Look at the huge crowd. They're pressing up around you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd, looking for the one who had touched him for healing. Let's stop there for a moment. What was going on here? I love that description about the, the, the power that surged around Jesus. He knew that power had gone out from him. How aware are you of that kind of thing? Now, I'm a, I'm a touch person. I, you know, one of my love languages is touch. So I just, I love, I love this stuff. I love kind of how different people work and how some people are a lot more in their mind and some people are a lot more feeling-oriented, more emotional. I, l I love all of those differences. You know, and we are all different. 
if you haven't read the, the Five Languages of Love book, I highly, highly recommend you read that book. It's, um, it will, you're particularly if you're married, it will help you hugely. And as a pastor, it helped me because I had to work out what's the best form of communication with people. You know, some people face-to-face, some people phone, some are text, some are email, some you have to do all of them before you can get a response. I had to kind of find those things out being a pastor. And then you also had to find out what people's love languages were. Like never, never try and, and, and I don't want to say hurt someone, that's the wrong word. Let me try and unpack that. Um, don't ever confront someone in their love language. That's incredibly painful. Like if someone's love language is words, if you're really critical of them, man, that will hurt. You've got to find ways to help people when you know what their love language is. So you have to kind of find that out as well. So working with people, and it, the more you can find out about the people you work with, the better your relationships will be if you can find out what makes other people tick. So here we've got this thing going on with Jesus that he knew even when someone touched his clothes. What could that look like here? I I remember when the first time I I met Melise Clinton's wife, the previous pastor, I was standing just there. I'd just come in. I hadn't been at church for for a while. and And I came in and Clinton came up I'd met Clinton a few times, and he said, oh, I'd love to introduce my family. So I met the girls, and then, then he introduced Malise, and um, we chatted for a little bit, and um, Clinton was wearing a very similar color shirt to me. I'll just give you a heads up. And then he went off to talk to some other people, and, and I just got chatting to some other people. Malise went off as well, and, and but I didn't move. I was still there talking to people. And then I felt a hand on my shoulder. Someone had come up this side and put their hand around around me and put their hand on my shoulder all I can say was it was an unusual touch and I turned around because it was an unusual touch and it was Malise and she looked at me and she said oh I thought you were Clinton (laughs) (laughs) there was nothing untoward in that touch nothing but it felt different to the point that I didn't just turn because someone had put the hand on my shoulder, but I turned because it felt different. How did it feel different? I cannot describe that to you. All I know is it was a touch of a wife to a husband, not a friend. Does that make sense? And I know I'm a touchy-feely person, so maybe I'll pick that kind of stuff up more so. But even if you're not, you need to learn to be more that way because not everybody is like you. There's a brilliant book, if you're interested in this, by an author called Steve Biddulph. Highly recommend his, his books anyway. If, you've got, if you have a boy, read his book, Raising Boys. It saved our lives as parents, and um, so highly, highly recommend that book. He's a, he's a psychologist based in Tassie, and he wrote a book last year called Fully Human. I've recommended it to a lot of people. In fact, if I've spoken to you in a conversation, I've probably talked about it. Because it's, it's a really powerful book, and I think it's a must-read for people. Because in the West, we largely live in here. It's our, our kind of, uh, our culture, our background is all about that. And if you go to other cultures around the world, they don't work that way. I've been talking a bit about this with, with compassion, with letter writing. Most churches I go to, the kids write twice as many letters as the sponsors That's really concerning. I find that concerning. But when I talk to people, they say, well, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm regularly giving the sponsorship money. 
because we think the answer to poverty is money. Now, if the answer to poverty was money, we would have solved world hunger a long time ago. Trillions and trillions of dollars have been given to help poverty, but it's bigger than that. And I think one of the worst forms of, of poverty, actually it's one of, our, it's one of our poverties, is relational poverty. When people have no one to go to. So you li if you live in a, in a country that's, that, that is not in the West, that, that we call developing, I hate that term, says we're developed and they're not, which is ridiculous. The majority of the world is the other world. We're in the minority with the wealth we have. Most of those countries, you don't survive unless you've got relationship. And I think actually abject poverty is having no resources and no body alongside you. And what I'm trying to help people with is if, if you're just giving money and you think that's the answer to poverty, but you're doing that to a person that thinks the answer to poverty is relationship and you don't write, you're actually hurting them. See what I mean? Because we're miscommunicating. We're coming from thinking the answer to poverty is this. They're coming from that way. So I think it's really, really important to understand culture from overseas, but also the different cultures that happen that here within this room. Not just because I'm a POM and, and Steph's from New Zealand and, and you know the other nationalities we have here, but the subcultures we have in our own families and our workplaces. We need to understand one another. So in Steve's book, he, just, he describes being fully human like this. You as a human being are a mansion with four floors. You have a body, a mind, emotions, and what he calls super sense. I'm going to leave you wondering on that one. And he said, we largely function in our minds. There's, there's some growing work on emotions happening. There's, there is stuff on body nutrition, going to the gym. That's all escalated in more recent times. But it's pretty siloed. You know, you go to the gym for this, and you do your body bit for this, and you do your nutrition bit for this, and the mind bit is for this, and they're not very integrated. And Steve says, if we're to be fully human, we need to have the lights on on all four floors and be present on all four floors at the same time. And I think that's how Jesus functioned. And that's why when this woman come and touched his clothes, he says, who touched me? Because he knew himself. And he was fully aware of what it was to be fully human and fully God. And so my challenge this morning is, how good are you at being fully human? So if someone comes and shakes your hand and says, hello, we're starting to do that again, or he gives you a hug, is it just hello? Or is there something else that you can learn from that handshake or that hello, that hug? You okay? Sometimes just looking at someone's eyes. Oh, you look tired. There's different ways we can say that. Oh, you look tired. And you say, like, are you, are you okay? Just thought you looked a bit tired today. And that's understanding. That, or are we just going to, business as usual, plow on through? Oh, yeah, hello, right, and then move on to the next person, and then get on and do your job. And I think if, if we really want to see someone fall on our knee, their knees and say, tell me about your Jesus, I think one of the starting places is for us to be fully human and to be able to listen to other people. Yeah, listen with our heads and our ears, 
but listen with our emotions. Listen with our bodies. How about doing that? And uh, a good starting place, I don't get royalties, but as I recommend reading Steve's book. He'll, he'll come from a different place spiritually to a, well, certainly where I'm at and where probably a lot of, of you are. But it's a really helpful, helpful read. And I really recommend it highly. All right, let's, let's read on. When the woman who had experienced this miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him trembling with fear and threw herself down at his feet saying, I was the one who touched you. And she told him her story of what had just happened. And then Jesus said to her daughter, because you dared to believe your faith has healed you, go in peace, go with peace in your heart and be freed from your suffering. I love that part of the reading. You know, Jesus didn't want her just healed. He wanted her whole. You know, she'd gone away healed, but she would have gone away with shame. I made him unclean. I made the rabbi unclean because I touched him. And I was unclean when I touched him. It's a great thing about God, and it works the other way around. You know, for, for a normal rabbi, for someone unclean to touch the rabbi, supposedly clean, made him unclean. For a woman to unclean who touched Jesus, who was clean, he didn't become unclean, she became clean. How good is our God? How good is our God? But he didn't just want her clean physically. He wanted her clean emotionally. He was concerned about the whole body, the fully human thing. So for her to go away ashamed and feeling guilty, he didn't want that. So he called her back and he would not stop. He kept looking around the crowd. Now he could... Maybe he could have, and the fully God says it was you. You know, he picked you out. I don't know. Did he know? I, I don't know. All I know is he waited for her to come. And then when she came, she could be f- totally free across the board. And I love that about Jesus, and he's the same today. Verse 35, and before he had finished speaking, next interruption, people arrived from Jairus' house and pushed through the crowd again, here we go, to give Jairus the news. There's no need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter has died. I love this, verse 36, but Jesus interrupts them. He refused to listen to what they were told, to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is to keep on believing. How do you do that as a father? You just have the news that your girl, your daughter has died. I imagine the emotional turmoil that's going on then. And Jesus says, just keep believing. You ever been in situations where you're, you're out of your depth? Or something has happened unexpectedly or suddenly and um, you don't know what to do? Two people I know joined the fire service last year. And I started to think about having, having one of them being one of my sons, um, and he stayed with us while he did his training. So I was fascinated with what they were training and how they train and all of that. I was really, really, found that really, really interesting. 
And as, as he started, and I'm sure it's true of both these people, as they started, the first, particularly the first night shift, where fire service said, you should get to go to bed. That's pretty cool, isn't it, on shift work? You get to be paid to sleep. And hopefully you do sleep, but, um, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just go in all night. But I heard that a few of the, the new recruits found it really hard to go to sleep because they were waiting for the alarm to go. You know, waiting. I, think, I just want to make sure I wake up. You know, I, I, I can't sleep through the alarm, you know, on my first shift. And, and from what I hear about it, there's no way you would sleep through that, that alarm and all the lights come on and the doors open and everything happens. So, but I started to think about Queensland Fire and Rescue Service. They're there for rescue. They're there for the unexpected, aren't they? It's, it's right, we got, what we got planned this week, yeah, we got three alarms, two car crashes and three house fires. Doesn't happen like that, does it? That just doesn't work like that. So everything that comes is, is an interruption to whatever else they're doing or whether it's sleeping or training or, or replacing equipment or cleaning or whatever else it is, it's still an interruption. On one of my trips recently, I was up in North Queensland and um, I noticed a Carbicide uh, Carbicide Road bonnet up. Um, uh, so that's a, there was like two young kids and two women and I just thought, I wonder if they're okay. It was a narrow road and I couldn't stop, so I had to go quite a long way before I could turn around and then come back. And then when I came back, I couldn't stop where their car was. There wasn't, there wasn't space to go in front or behind because they were just off the road. So they had to go stop a bit further down the road. They had to walk back quite a long way. So this was a big interruption into my day. And I just said, are you okay? Oh, car's broken down. I said, we got water. Yeah, we got plenty of water. And, and I couldn't fix the problem, but helped, helped a bit. And as I was leaving, they said this to me, thank you for stopping. Nobody else stopped. And I think this day and age, some people don't because they're kind of worried or... But all I know is it interrupted my day, but my interruption on their day was a help. If, if you've been on the scene of an accident, you didn't plan to be on that scene. And maybe you were in the accident, you were involved in it, or you saw it, or you stopped to help. All I know is if you've had an accident and somebody stops to help, you really appreciate that that person has interrupted their day for you. Because all your, all your plans, all your to-do things are going to go out the window, and there's nothing you can do about it because it's happened. But how good are we at choosing to interrupt our day to help someone else's interruption because they're in trouble? And I just think as believers, we should be, our radar should be on more and more for that kind of thing. And just maybe... Maybe if we do more of that, someone may fall at our feet and say, can you help me find Jesus? Because in essence, they've just met him by your interaction with them. That's really what it's about. So this whole passage, interruption after interruption after an interruption. And I look at the majority of the gospel narrative are interruptions. There's some business as usual. Jesus sat down to teach and did those things. But so many of them, somebody came through the crowd. Somebody yelled out. Someone brought this person to him. Someone took the roof apart. <laughs> and yet, I wonder how often we, we push the interruptions aside because I've got this to do. So my encouragement for us today is 
I know in churches we try we meant to be really spiritual, but why not try this week to be fully human? And let the Holy Spirit who dwells in you enhance who you are and let him give you greater understanding of mind, of emotions, of super sense, of body, of what's going on. And let's just see what God does this week with the interruptions that are going to happen. We're going to finish with communion. This, this represents probably the biggest interruption in the world. And for 400 years, we call it the 400 silent years. For 400 years, God really hadn't said anything apart from what was already written down in the law. And then suddenly you get, you get a priest who's in the temple that stays there a long time, and when he comes out, he can't speak. So something has happened, but nobody quite knows what. But just the normal temple thing has been interrupted. And then they have to wait nine months, and then there's a, there's a boy born. We're going to call him John. And then they have to wait probably about 30 years for him to start preaching. And then people say, oh, is he the one? Is he the Messiah? The Matrix thing, is he the one? Is he the one? Is he the one? And people aren't quite sure. And then Jesus comes on, maybe he's the one. And then things start to kind of escalate. But up to that time, it's been really, really quiet. And then, and then people are still not sure, is he the Messiah? Is he not? Is he? Is he not? And then he's crucified. And the disciples and all those around him are totally, totally flummoxed. We knew he was the one. But he came and he died to interrupt sin. To interrupt the way the world was going to say, from this point on it can be different. From this point on, you can be clean. From this point on, you can be friends with God. From this point on, you don't just have to know the spirit around you, but you can know him inside you. Somebody once said to me, you know, I'm, I'm um, really looking forward to meeting Moses when I get to heaven. I got some questions. Moses, what was it like, you know, to, to hold your staff up and to see the Red Sea part, like the aisle down the middle? What was that like? Hey, what did manna taste like? You know, can you tell me about that? And, and, and what was it big or small or what did it look like? And, and then this person said, I have a hunch that Moses might come to me and say, I've been longing to meet you. Somehow I've just got this question that had an ache in my heart all my life, all my journey. What was it like to have the Holy Spirit in you? You know, we can always look at someone else and think it's easy for them, it was better for them or what they saw. But Moses said, oh, oh, I wish that everybody would have the spirit of the prophets on them. We're in that day. We're in that day because of this. So as you come to eat and drink, and I can't do this and this at the same time, so I'm just going to explain and then just going to let, let you take the bread away for everything first, um, and then we'll drink together, if that's okay. But as you, as you, come, as you come to take this, remember not just what he did for you, remember why because he loves you and he, he brought an interruption into your life so it wouldn't be business as usual so it could be really different and it, it could be a life that could be full of interruptions where you see him working 
and where you get to interrupt pain and struggle in other people's lives and help them. So let God speak to you as an individual as you eat the wafer. And then when we come to drink together, can we're in this together. And you might be able to help someone with a bit of an interruption, but sometimes we then need to involve someone else to help that person onwards. And that's why we're a body. And I'd love you to meet a friend of mine. He's just really good at, at this. And I think they could really help you when you've done the accident emergency bit and you triage them to someone else, you know, that, that kind of thing. So let me pray and we'll eat and drink. Father, I can't get my head around your plan. But I thank you that we can trust you and I thank you that you sent your son as a helpless baby and you, you let him go through life as one of us so that we can know that you know what it's like to be human. Thank you that you allowed him to go through the, the, the awful, uh, the I don't know what the words are, Father, the, the, the awful journey of the cross for us because you love us so much. So Father, as we eat and drink, may, may this be very significant for us today as a reminding of what you've done for us and as a reminder that because of this, your spirit dwells in us and we can make a difference this week within our interruptions. So Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So eat when you're ready. Thank you, Jesus, that your, your death was for us as a unique individual. But it was also for us as a body. Dad, you want us to be a, a bride for you. So would you knit us together more fully? Just as a sign of that, Father, we, we make a choice today to drink together, saying we're in this together. You died for us. And for this church, Father, I pray as they the journey for a new pastor and, and leadership and what that looks like for the future, Father, be in the center of this. Lead in a way that they can hear with clarity what you're saying. That this body may grow to be one that reflects you more and more and more and more fully. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink together. Thank you for joining us today. If you were encouraged by the message and would like to hear more sermons like this, make sure you hit subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. To experience other messages, videos, and live services, head to oranahills.church and navigate to the resources tab. Thanks for listening.